Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, we welcome your presence here in our midst this morning, God. Um, you are a God who is faithful. Um, you are a God who um, is here when we gather together as your church, Lord, and we don't want to take that lightly. So I pray, God, that we would be open, that we would be listening um, to your truth, to your word, and to the next steps for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to be. Thanks for being here today, um, worshiping with us. And today we're continuing our Holy, uh, the Acts of the Holy Spirit sermon series again. And um, as we reiterate every week, it's the Holy Spirit doing these acts, right? It's not just humans trying to do really good at this or that. This is not the acts of human works or of human achievement. This is the acts of Holy Spirit, which is God working in and through the early church. Um, I want to give a special shout out to Dion for handling all of those really difficult cities and towns in stride this morning. Um, I didn't really warn anybody about that, so I hope you looked at it ahead of time, but um, bygones are bygones, right? So, so today we have a, an interesting scripture, and there's a couple fun pieces to it, but um, it talks about this vision. And I'm curious, have you ever had a dream or a vision for something? Have you ever had a dream or a vision for something specific or maybe something general or maybe a desire of the heart that was so pronounced that you would say, yeah, I have a vision for this? Uh, maybe you've dreamed up the perfect dinner to bless somebody with. You had a vision and you went to the store and you got all the best ingredients and you went home and you cooked and put that together. Um, I like to do that for my wife occasionally. I threw together the homemade Alfredo on Friday, and it was yummy. Had a vision for that Alfredo. Or maybe your vision, gentlemen, is for the perfect man cave. Um, and you've thought it up, and you've made plans, and you begin to piece it together, and you start to see it coming together. I've, I've had dreams of that one. Um, or maybe you've had a vision for a new business. You, you see a need that you want to meet in the community, and so you, you organize, and you put a plan together, and you get your finances together, and you start to make things happen. Or maybe you've been a coach and you have this perfectly drawn up basketball play you have a vision for. If only the kids would get it right and run the play the way you drew it up, right? We, we have all these thoughts and ideas that we, they, they motivate us. Like they, they give us this picture for something better or bigger or more pronounced than where we are now in a certain area of our life. Now as a teenager, I was one of those unfortunate students um, in class or in church, particularly in church, uh, notice where I am today, who would often sit there listening to a pastor preach or teach, and if I became passionate about what they were saying, um, or maybe on the other end, if I was bored, I would sit there thinking about all the different ways that I could probably say it better or deliver it clearly. Um, now, this was good. Uh, God was forming my sort of like pastoral preaching gifts way back then in the pews at Nazareth Lutheran Church in Cedar Falls. Um, and the problem was I missed a lot of the sermon when I was thinking about those first few things that I could probably do better or elaborate on more, right? Um, so that daydream journey, I'm, I'm not saying you should do that right now, but I had a vision for something. I, I, had, I could see myself communicating that same truth, which... I didn't realize God would actually use and put me to work on um, later in life at the time. And as a teenager and into college, I had these visions in my mind, sometimes from God, sometimes not from God, 
of what a new and impactful small group could look like at my college or a new worship service. Um, and we actually started a new worship service while I was there um, called The Gate, and we brought in speakers from different churches, and it was a really neat thing for a few years while we were there. And so some of those dreams and visions, they came to be, and some of those dreams and visions didn't. And that's, that's okay. That's okay. So what about you? What, what visions have you had? And I will say this maybe more specifically, what is the vision or visions that drive you? What are the things that you see coming true or coming more fully into your life in the future that motivates how you act and what you do today? What vision drives you? Um, is it retirement? That, that probably drives some of us, right? Maybe it's lots of money, so you just don't have to worry about that anymore. Maybe it's meaning. You want to live a life that has purpose and meaning. Maybe you have a vision to help others. Maybe you've been blessed by somebody in the past, and now you see yourself being a blessing to other people. Maybe you have a vision to benefit the community or the church. God gives visions of all sorts, right? And some of those things in our heads that drive us, they're not from God. We realize that. We recognize that. And some of those things are. God gives visions of all sorts, and we also dream up visions that have nothing to do with God's love and purpose for our lives. Uh, so today I want to dig into Paul's vision. This is another, this is the second vision that we see happening in Acts that we've been studying on Sunday mornings. Um, so let's dig into this. So Acts, I'm going to dig back into our text, uh, chapter 16, beginning with verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia. I, I even wrote in the phonetic spelling, and I still... Phrygia and Galatia, have been, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. All right, so there's... Remember John Engelstad a couple weeks ago, he had problems with the directions, the up and the overs and the throughs, because on a map it didn't necessarily look that way. Um, he would probably be all over the place here in this message today as well. But they're traveling a lot, right? Like they're on this journey. They're not staying put in any one place. And I think it's interesting what it says in verse 7 here. It says that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, would not allow them to enter Bithynia, this certain place where they were intending to go. Now, I wonder what that looked like. It doesn't tell us exactly why he didn't elaborate on that, the author of Acts. Um, maybe the Holy Spirit was orchestrating circumstances around them that just literally made it so they couldn't get in. Or maybe it was a deep conviction of the heart. Um, have you ever had that conviction that there's something you have to do or you have to say or you have to resolve and you literally can't move on until you do that? I've had that in my life before. But God has different plans. Whatever the case, God has different plans, and this is the acts of the Holy Spirit. So God is the one directing and guiding. The Holy Spirit can work in that way in our lives too, right? And honestly, I think we should ask him to. We should ask the Holy Spirit to keep us from what we shouldn't be doing and direct us towards what we should be doing. And so there's a practical application for us in there. So they carry on. During the night, Paul has a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging to him, come over to Macedonia and help us. 
So after Paul had seen this vision, we get ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So Paul has a very clear vision again, right? And it's something he's going to act on. And, and so I'm using the word vision a lot. What is vision? What is a vision? We're not talking about 2020 or hindsight vision. We're talking about a dream, a picture, a thought, or a visible message that God gives as a prompt, as a revelation, or as a communication of God's hearts and plans. So Paul has this vision for Macedonia. And for the way it's told, we think it's a pretty clear picture. It's almost like a video playing for him, right? Of this man in Macedonia who's asking and begging for them to come help. And it's kind of like Peter's vision a few chapters back in Acts, where he had this vision of some things are clean and unclean, and God's the one that makes the clean ones clean, right? So God reveals important things to his people in visions. <clears throat> we see that throughout scriptures from beginning to end. God is always breaking in and revealing his heart, his dreams, his plans for certain people and for his people as a whole, whether it's Israel or whether it's the early Christian church that we read about here in Acts. Now, most of the books of Daniel or Revelation, if you've ever read those, there's a lot of visions happening in those books. And those um, were recorded so that they could capture what God was revealing to the best of their ability. Um, and God guided that process, right? And so this idea that God gives visions, it's not a new thing with the, Old, or the, with the New Testament. It's not a new thing with the Holy Spirit's presence. It's been going on for a while. And it's still going on today, friends. It's still going on today. That's one of the main points of us having this conversation today. God still can and wants to move in and through his church in this way. Maybe in a clear dream or a picture, maybe in a thought, maybe with a heart that God gives you for somebody or a certain people or a certain area of ministry where the world needs to know the love of Christ. So Paul gets this clear vision, and through Paul's vision, they now know how to act. The Holy Spirit prevented this. God has now clearly called them to this over here. And a key point here is that God's heart for Macedonia, obviously God had a heart for Macedonia, or he wouldn't have called these evangelists there. God's heart for Macedonia now becomes Paul's heart for Macedonia. He's willing, and he has surrendered his life to this journey that he's on, to the call of Jesus for him to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And so if God has a heart for these people, Paul has a heart for these people. Picking up in verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we, were ex where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So the progression kind of goes like this. Paul, first of all, he is open to God leading and directing him through visions. And through truth and through the scriptures. 
and through the input of his companions in this Christian community early on. He's open to it, and then guess what? He's obedient to God's vision and the call that it placed on his life. First he's open to it, then he's obedient to it. And because God is behind this whole thing, Paul and his companions, they meet Lydia, a worshiper of God. Um, and here's an important, important, yeah, important point, important point. God opened Lydia's heart. That's what the scripture says. This wasn't Paul opening Lydia's heart. This wasn't his companions opening her heart to the gospel. God was working before they got there. And that's why God called them there in the first place. So what is our role as Christians? A lot of times we think that we have to somehow um, fluently and beautifully articulate our faith so that someone else will believe through our works. And that's not the way it works. Are we supposed to force someone's heart to be open to the gospel? Or is it God who makes that seed grow? Is our role to open hearts or is our role just to faithfully be obedient to God's call to proclaim the gospel and the good news of Jesus and the coming kingdom of God? Something to think about. It is God who makes the seed grow. It is God who opens Lydia's heart. So what happens? Lydia is baptized as is her household. Lydia comes to faith in Jesus Christ, not just a believer and worshiper of God as before. She may have been a Jewish convert in that area before, but now she knows Jesus, and it changes her life. And if she's a dealer in purple cloth, she had a good life back then. She was wealthy. She had a whole household. She had resources and influence. But because God has chosen to work in this way and because Paul has been obedient, there's now a church here starting where there wasn't a church before. God's kingdom is on the move in Acts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it still is today, friends. In our gospel passage this morning, Jesus appears to his disciples after the resurrection. And I would argue that he gives them a vision for what their calling now is, since Jesus did not stay dead. Now that Jesus' earthly work is complete. John 20, 21 and 23, 21 through 23 says this. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So what is this vision that Jesus has just passed on and given to his disciples? First of all, that his disciples would go. They would go. That they wouldn't be complacent or dormant or ineffective or inactive followers but they would go in the same manner that Jesus has gone before them. And then Jesus gives them everything they need to fulfill this calling and vision. What does he do? He breathes on them the Holy Spirit. He gives them his very presence and guidance. God's presence is not just up there or over there, and it's not just incarnate in Jesus who will soon be ascending. It's far more than that. He fills them with his very presence and promised Holy Spirit. And now they have everything they need to take this vision and run with it and go. 
And then what is the work of this vision? What is the work of it? They're called to go. They're given everything they need. And I would say it is to proclaim forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. It's to proclaim the gospel. Now, I know the last verse of that section is a theological conundrum. That's a whole different sermon, so we're not going to go there today about people they didn't forgive not being forgiven. But for the sake of this vision, God is sending them to proclaim the same good and holy and perfect coming kingdom of God that Jesus himself has modeled for them and lived and embodied for them. They're called to proclaim the gospel. So this leads us a little closer to home now. Let's, let's come back where we started. This is, this is where we are, right? For most of you, this is where we live. We don't live too far from here. This is our community. It's our region. And think about where you work and think about your neighborhood and think about the things that you like to do with your life and the people that you interact with. And now consider also that God has actually called you too. Because he has. If you say, I'm a Christian, you confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and believe that God raised him from the dead, God has called you. He has. In different ways, yes, but God has called you. So are you open to God giving you a new or renewed vision for your life with him? Do you believe that God can and wants to do that in your life? I do. I think the scriptures tell us that we should be open to that as followers of Jesus. And if you're open to that, what might God show you? Or maybe what has God shown you in the past? What reality of goodness might Jesus invite you into? And who might God show you that really needs your help? that needs your love, that needs God's help, that needs God's love, that needs forgiveness, like that guy in Macedonia that Paul saw. As I look at Emmanuel, um, our little, small little church here in the middle of Iowa, I believe and, and I know that God has a vision for us as a church, as a people together. It's something more than any of us could accomplish by ourselves or on our own. And that vision, if we live into it, will be more Christ-centered and more fruitful and more glorious than if we ever tried to go our own way or think of our own things. We don't actually know better than what God knows. We can't actually lead our lives better than God can lead our lives. So when I look at our church, that's what I, that's what I believe. That's what I know, that God has a vision for us. And as I look at our communities of Roland and Story City and uh, Story and Hamilton and Boone Counties and wherever you came from today, I know that God has a vision for these places too. A place where people are coming to know the love of Christ on a deeper level or maybe for the first time. A place where God's presence is felt and seen and experienced in how we carry ourselves outside of the walls of the church. And again, I know that this vision God has for our area is going to be far better and greater than anything we could dream up on our own. We can read books, yes, good thing. We can look at what another community does and do that. We can look at what another church does and do that, great. But God has something specifically to call us into. 
So how do we get there? Sorry, I'm not going to unveil some huge vision for you today. But it starts with each of us, and it starts with us together. So here's what I'd like you to do. Here's your challenge, some concrete next steps for you this week. First of all, ask God to give you a newer, refreshed vision for your life. Maybe you've been feeling just stuck. Maybe you've not been too excited about anything in your life right now. Ask God to bring this freshness and newness that comes when we experience the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Maybe it's a feeling. Maybe it's a thought. Maybe it's a vision. That's fine. But I think God wants that for each and every one of us. This is a constant process of returning to the Lord and surrendering our lives to him so that he can call us into something deeper and better. So ask God to give you, and, and, and by asking God, you're open to it, right? You're, you're showing God that you're open to receiving in this way. Ask God to give you a new or refreshed vision for your life. And then ask God this. Ask God to give you a new or refreshed vision for Emmanuel, for this body of believers here. What is God calling us to be? Who is God calling us to be? And what is God calling us to do to live into that reality? And then third, ask God to show you how he wants to move and love in this place that we live in. This is a vision for our community. And not just the town, not just the city or the county, but maybe your neighborhood that you live in. Maybe just your neighbor there and there. Maybe it's a group of friends you gather with. Maybe it's your workplace. For the ground that you walk on each day, what is God's vision for this place? And I pray and I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we'd be willing to listen for an answer to these prayers. We'd be open to God communicating to us a vision, a thought, an idea, a dream, for something to live more fully into this glorious kingdom of God than what we see today. So Lord, we pray, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth and in this place as it is in heaven. And when God gives us that vision, may we be obedient. Just like Paul was obedient when he went to Macedonia. May we answer the call that comes with it. Let's pray. Lord, we, um, we love you, God, and we thank you for this testimony in Acts that you are, you're willing, God, to communicate your heart with us your heart for our lives, your heart for this church, your heart for this community, and to the ends of the earth, Lord. And Lord, sometimes we know things that we can do that are good and right, and sometimes, Lord, we need to be called, and we need a vision for what our lives can look like when they are more fully living for you. Lord, we confess and believe um, that you do not call followers of Jesus to be idle or dormant. And Lord, we ask for forgiveness for the times that we have been. And Lord, we believe that you love us and that you give good gifts. And Lord, I pray that we would not be afraid um, to ask you for a vision, that we would not be afraid um, to receive good gifts from our loving Father who has loved us and proven his love, God, even to the cross. 
even to paying the debt for our sins. So Lord, wherever each and every one of us is right now in this moment, we pray, God, for an openness to hear from you, to see what you have for us, and to be led by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.